0: listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. It's the song that echoed in the mind of the servants of Achish, an anointed fugitive on the run, running for his life from King Saul. He fled from this small Levitical town of priests and ran to an unlikely enemy. It was the land of Gath. It was the land of Goliath, whom David slayed and whose sword he carried. It was the land of that old enemy, the Philistines, and how desperate he had become. That the king of Israel had become such a fierce enemy that David would run to the king of Gath. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. The service of the Philistines, they you know, they just never forgot that one. They thought he was already king, but they definitely knew he was a problem. They got that one right. Saul has struck down his thousands. And David, his ten thousands. And the words floated into David's ears and sunk deep into his heart. The anointed king, David, the Goliath sword in hand. He became very much afraid. It was embarrassing. Sometimes you do embarrassing things when fear grips your soul. Mighty David. He... He scratched marks on the doors and the gates. Mighty David spit spewing out of his mouth and running down his beard. Mighty David pretending to have lost his mind before the enemy. Behold, I mean, you see the man is mad. What? I mean, why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen in this town? Why have you brought this man to act insane in my presence? Like, do you really think I'm going to let this guy in my house? was the words of the king before the servants and fearful David. It it was embarrassing. But it worked. Another near-death experience avoided, and he ran and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Where was God? Where, I mean, where was God in all of this? David didn't ask to be anointed. David didn't ask to have his life turned upside down. David David didn't ask to have his wife and his best friend ripped from his life. Where was God? I mean, when would God hear his cry? When would when would God show mercy on the spirit that faints within? Mighty David, full of fear, hiding in a cave, crying out to the Lord. You know, there's, there's certainly bad things that will happen in your life uh, because of your own foolishness and sin. But let's not you know, deny the reality that life just stings sometimes. And you're going from one bad situation to another, going from one difficult season to another. And maybe like David, it just feels like your only play is to hide in the cave and cry out to God, where is my God? Will God hear my plea? Will God show me mercy? Will God redeem me from the enemy? Will God restore what's broken in me? Where's my God? Like, will he hear my cry? And friends, he does and he will. This is a message for those that have, currently are, or will soon cry out to the Lord in desperation. This is a cry to the Lord, and I I believe his response might surprise you. So we'll be in 1 Samuel 22, uh, 1 through 5. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in the bulletin. But um, let's pray, and then we'll study the passage together. Father, I'm, I'm thankful just to be a part of a church surrounded by people that um, are incredibly kind and loving, God, that are, that are humble. Knowing that that happens because they understand the magnitude of how big you are. They understand that how holy you are. And how, how much we need Christ. That's what we pray as we open your word this morning. That we would again see how much we need Christ. So God, I, I pray for grace um, as we walk through a story in the Old Testament. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Let me, let me read the story first, and then we'll walk through it together. This is 1 Samuel 22, um, Start in verse 1. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul, they gathered to him. And he became commander over them, and they were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let, let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet of God said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart. Go into the land of Judah. And so David departed and went to the forest of Hereth. We don't don't always get to see and hear the mind and heart of someone in the Bible during a narrative account, but in 1 Samuel, 22 1 through 5 we actually do there are several psalms that mention david fleeing from saul two psalms Specifically mentioned being in the cave psalm 57 and 142 and so for the sake of clarity Let's stay focused on psalm 142. This is not on the screens But if you have a bible you can turn there with me or I'm going to read the whole psalm so 142 It says this A masculine of david When he was in the cave, a prayer. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. And with my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. And I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him when my spirit faints within me. You know my way. And the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say to you, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're too strong for me. Bring me out of prison and may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. The prayer from the cave, it's the prayer from mighty David and friends, it's the prayer that is answered in 1 Samuel 22. Let us not forget that the Lord hears our cries when we pray to Him. He does. The Lord hears our humble pleas to Him for mercy in our lives, even if it feels like everything is falling apart, even if it feels like God is very much far away He is an always-present God that listens to the cries of His children. And so I want to give us three points from 1 Samuel 22 in light of Psalm 142. So three points of how the Lord responds to our humble cries for mercy. When I cry to the Lord, if you're a note-taker, let me give you point one. He will gather the afflicted. So David, he, he, he pleads for mercy in the dark space of a lonely cave, and he cries out for the Lord to do something. And the Lord responds in, in one of the most unusual of ways. Honestly, the Lord often answers our prayers in ways we never saw coming, such it is for the prayers of the anointed David. Lord, I, I cry for mercy. My spirit is faint within me. No one even takes notice of me. And who does the Lord send? Look at verse 1 of our passage. And when his brothers and all the father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Well, that seems a little random to me. I haven't heard, seen much of David's family in a long time. We know David is the son of Jesse. We know that David had seven brothers. We. Also know that David, you know, he just like every family, didn't always get along with everyone in the family. Listen to the account in 1 Samuel 17 if you remember when David brings his brother supplies on the battlefield. So this is 1 Samuel 17 starting in verse 28. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he had spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, "What what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. But here we are in the cave. I mean, David at one of his lowest points to date, and who shows up in the cave at his weakest moment? It's the family. Well, I mean, why do family show up? Well, um, you know, they might have just feared staying in Israel, being related to David. It was probably safer in the cave um, than it was being close to out of control King Saul. But I believe we can rightly assume, you know, they showed up for David. Regardless of how difficult things might have been in the past or how wonderful things might have been in the past, family shows up. And just a side note, um, that's what godly families do. They show up for each other. Even in the worst of times, that's the power of family. And I can't prove this, but I can only imagine the tears and the hugs from David seeing his parents and siblings show up to the cave. Nothing, and I mean nothing, can replace godly families. Nothing can replace a godly father or mother showing up for their kid. This county and this country needs more godly families, but isn't it unusual? Mom, dad, brothers, sisters, the whole house showed up for David. That's unusual, but it's going to get even weirder in the text. Look at verse 2. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul, gathered to him. All right, God, maybe, you know, maybe you didn't hear my prayer. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe because we're in a cave, the cave blocked the prayer connection. Um, Maybe I didn't make my situation clear. I need mercy. I need help. And so far, you've sent me my parents, my siblings, and a bunch of busted up men with a lot of physical and emotional baggage. You got anyone else to send me? And he does, but we're not there in the story just yet. You know, here's what I doubt David is seeing in the prayer, that the Lord has just handed him a mighty army of cutthroat men that need a leader. Men of all, with all kinds of issues in their past are the answer to the prayer. The Lord was raising up a group of bandits turned warriors these are the men of valor first chronicles 12:8 from the gadites they went over to david at the stronghold in the wilderness mighty and experienced warriors expert with shield and spear whose face were like the faces of lions and who are swift as gazelles upon the mountains so first to be clear, the Lord answers our prayers on his terms, not our own. And I don't—I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I, I truly don't think there's a person in this room that would have chosen to bring that kind of drama into the cave. And that's the answer to prayer. And you know, it's just not lost on me the beautiful picture of Christ in that story. That King David was only meant to point us to King Jesus, that the Lord gathers to himself a band of misfits to claim them as his own, men and women full of affliction, even affliction done to themselves. Men and women in distress, life turned upside down, messy past, full of addiction and abuse, struggling to keep going, wrestling with just the difficult realities of, of relationships and money, and everyone in distress can show up to be led by King Jesus. I mean, men and women in debt, specifically the debt of sin before the Holy God, sin that is warned for everyone to see, and sin that's buried deep in our heart that we'd be embarrassed if anyone found out about. Everyone in debt can show up to be led by King Jesus. Men and women in bitterness, just, just angry, angry at everyone and everything, always searching to expose what is negative, always drinking the poison of a bitter heart. Everyone in bitterness can show up to be led by King Jesus. And just like a bunch of bandits in a cave that David turned into warriors, Christ Jesus gathers the afflicted and he makes them sons and daughters of an eternal kingdom. 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Distress, debt, bitterness, and makes us a royal priesthood and a holy nation. That's what I'm looking for when I cry out to the Lord. That's what King Jesus will do when I cry out to the Lord. Let me give you point two. He'll protect the vulnerable. David, um, he's not oblivious to the reality of the situation. He knows things are, are, are bad. He knows his parents aren't getting any younger, and so David, he takes his, his parents to Mizpah of Moab, a, a location that means watchtower or lookout, first mentioned in Judges eleven twenty nine through 40. Why Moab? Well, first, the obvious, Moab um, was an enemy of King Saul. So you see this in 1 Samuel 14, verse 47. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against Zobah, against the Philistines, wherever he turned and he routed them. So if anyone's going to protect the parents from King Saul, it would be another enemy of King Saul. They would fight to the death. And secondly, David... David's got some relatives in Moab. David's great great grandmother was a lady named Ruth, a Moabite. This is Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Not just the redemption of Ruth, it's the redemption also of Naomi. Verse 16, Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Even the women in the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This constant picture of God's provision, this constant picture of God unfolding his plan of redemption, that the line of King Jesus would come from the line of King David, who would come from a Moabite widow that was redeemed. That God is in the business of defending and protecting the vulnerable, it is, it's literally a part of the plan of redemption. Isaiah 25, 4, it says, for you have been a stronghold to the poor. A stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat, for the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall. I mean, should should we not also care about what the Lord cares about? That we likewise seek to protect those that are vulnerable. That we become a stronghold to the poor and the needy in their distress. That we become a shelter to those that are hurting. That we seek justice for the unborn. But also the single mothers trying to raise kids in this economy. That we defend the cause of the widow. This small glimpse of David protecting the vulnerable. This temporary protection of his aging parents against King Saul. I mean, we won't get to it, but I'm not entirely convinced Moab stayed a safe place for his parents. I most certainly believe it It didn't, but that was the heart in the moment. That's what we're called to do, but that's what the Lord does for us. That he, he protects his children that doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. That doesn't mean you won't be vulnerable to countless hard things in this life. It means the Lord's going to get his kids home. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, that Christ suffered for our sins, Christ gives us his righteousness, and those that have put to death the flesh and made alive in the spirit, well, the verse says that he might bring us to God. In all of David's best intentions, he couldn't protect his parents forever. But King Jesus can for us. That He protects his own flock. He, he keeps us and holds us fast. He will bring us safely home. When I cry to the Lord, point three, he will send the called. And I'm going to bet all the money I don't have that this is exactly what David did not want to hear. There's a prophet named Gad that shows up in verse 5 of our passage. He's a a prophet from the Lord. He'll show up again in 2 Samuel 24 when he rebukes David for his sin of taking a census. So it's safe to say the prophet doesn't always arrive to to deliver good and comfortable, heartwarming news. And to be fair, the prophets of God, the, the true prophets of God, come to declare the word of God. Not to make you feel good. Not to give you a, a sense of false hope, but to tell you the truth, and that's what God has arrived on the scene to say: Do not, do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. Excuse me. What did that guy just say? Did he say Judah? I mean, did he, did he say, leave the stronghold and go back to where King Saul is? The prophets of God, man, there's something else. And what does David do? End of verse 5, he departs and he goes to the forest of Herath and Judah. Crying out to the Lord for mercy against the enemy. And how does God answer that prayer? by sending him right back to the enemy. Why? Because David wasn't born to hide in a cave. Because David wasn't anointed to post up in a temporary stronghold. Because David was called to be king. And that's where God sent him. Let me put it like this. The afflicted and the vulnerable don't get to hang around until God calls them home. And I get it, life life is obviously incredibly difficult. And we cry out to the Lord for countless hardships and things in this life. Deliver us from sin, deliver us from financial issues, deliver us from relationship problems, deliver us from sickness, deliver us from the affliction that just so easily bruises our heart, but to be incredibly clear, the process of redemption, the process of deliverance involves being sent on mission. We aren't bandits anymore. We aren't sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters. We are followers of King Jesus, which means we're called to be sent. I mean, sent where? We know the cries of David sent him back to Judah. Where, where do we go? Let me read The most obvious, Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Where are we sent? Make disciples of all nations. Well, that begins with your home. It's the discipleship of your own family in the Word. All the nations. Yeah, it means Carter County. Um, a county covered up in churches and filled with people that don't even understand the gospel. All the nations means this country a country that has denied the existence and the power of God, a country that has rebelled against the Bible in the name of freedom, which is a really weird way to say the slavery of sin. Make disciples of all nations. Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Cambodia, Ethiopia, India, Indonesia, Iran, Japan, Kenya, Lebanon, Malaysia, North Korea, Pakistan, Syria, Thailand, Turkey, Uganda, Yemen, just to name a few, over 3 billion people and over 7,000 people groups are defined as unreached. Where Christ is largely unknown and the church is relatively insufficient to make Christ known to the broader population without some outside help. Cry to the Lord, friends. He's gathering the afflicted, he's protecting the vulnerable, but his methodology is to send the call. Three billion, three billion people this morning that will die and go to a real eternal hell unless they hear and respond to the calling of all that King Jesus has done for them. The King David was sent to claim the throne. The King Jesus was sent to claim an eternal throne. And now we are sent to call others to King Jesus. And we've got churches on every corner in this town. We've got five churches on this road. Three billion Men and women that know nothing about Christ Jesus. So let me be really blunt. It's possible we're crying to the Lord about all of the wrong things. And I sure, I sure do love to stay up all night and worry about my little world. And am I crying out to the Lord to show mercy to the nations? We're crying out to the Lord for those that have never even heard his name. That there is something stirring in the cave that's much bigger than you and I. A calling for the gathered church to proclaim the king among every tribe and tongue. Why? Well, because your summary point is simple. Straight from the word. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's why. I mean, that's literally what Romans ten thirteen says. And don't miss verses 14 through 15. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they've, they've never even heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they're sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. When I cry to the Lord, he will gather the afflicted, he will protect the vulnerable, and he will send the called. So send me, Lord. Send your church. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful to to gather and study your word we're thankful for the reminder of your sovereignty and your provision, even in the most depressing of circumstances. But, but Father, I pray that we would not miss Christ in it all. That you were gathering the afflicted, you will protect your kids. But I, I pray that our church, that myself, and for myself, that we would care, that we'd even care, worried about every little thing, coming in here, drinking our coffee, in our comfortable, safe church. We even care. There's three billion people that don't even know you. Help us to be a church that that prays, that gives, that goes, um, to proclaim. King Jesus to the nations and God we know the nations are they're they're hurting right now. Uh, God, we just plead that you would do something that I couldn't I couldn't do um, without just the power of your word and the Holy Spirit Uh, alive in this church. And we pray these things in your son's name.